2: Good afternoon and welcome to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm Dan Todd. We've got a great show today. The
3: theme, but before I tell you the theme, you know, Cheryl's always twisting these things around, so I'm... Uh, <laughs> This one seems pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. So what do you got for this one, Cheryl? You got a trick for me or something?
2: No.
4: Well, the
3: theme
2: is history, hunting, and how we got so far off track. All right. Well, as Dan said, the theme really doesn't need explanation today, other than I believe that we have allowed our history to be rewritten in many ways and taught to new generations of our children, which has caused a change in what we value and why. I also believe that we have removed the harvesting of our food so far from our own responsibility that we have forgotten what an important role hunting played in the lives of our parents, our grandparents, and multitudes of generations who came before us. I think there's an arrogance filling the hearts of young people across our nation that's in the place of that humble pride that we we used to have, that used to reside there. And really, I think it would still be today if we collectively, we better understood that we all stand where we stand, speak the languages that we speak, and have the freedoms that we do, too, among so many other things, to keep and bear arms because we stand on the shoulders of giants who sacrificed and who served and I think that our guests today will help to bring our minds back to a place where we can begin to see where we really are in this country and glimmers of how we can right the path that we're taking.
3: And speaking of guests, I think we have a typo on the first one here, Cheryl. Do we? Olivia Opray? Oprie. Opry. But how, okay, listen to this. She's a television host mm-hmm. and hunting consultant. Mm-hmm. She has hunted six continents mm-hmm. and, take, and taken over 90 species of big game animals. Mm-hmm. animals. Mm-hmm. Indeed. She's currently the host of Eye of the Hunter and her husband, with her husband, Tom. And she was crowned Miss Nebraska in the 2003 Miss America contest. Indeed. And there's more. <laughs> 2014 Safari Club International named her the Diana Award winner, the most prestigious accomplishment bestowed upon a woman hunter.
2: There is not a typo in there anywhere. This is all the same person. She is this accomplished, and we are just super excited to uh, introduce her to our listeners in our first hour.
3: And we also have John Needham. He's a Second Amendment activist who is a volunteer with Project Appleseed, which teaches history and rifle marksmanship side by side. Project Appleseed is a 501C initiative to remind Americans that if they want to make
2: change in government, they can through the ballot box. Absolutely. And, you know, we've got to know our history. I mean, what is the famous quote? Those who do not know their history are doomed to repeat it. Well, we're going to doom our, our future generations to repeat it if we don't take some time and reflect on, on where we've come. Right.
3: We are, and then our second hour... We're going to even top the first hour. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, Jerry Ace Luciano. He's the author of Guns the Right Way, Introducing Kids to Firearm Safety and Shooting. Wow, wouldn't that be great if that could be done everywhere? Absolutely. His passion for youth mentoring has led directly to the introduction of thousands of news hunters and shooters in the
2: sport. So it was interesting because one of the super awesome things about having this show and being, um, you know, on a, you know, accessible, I guess, is what you would say we are, um, mm-hmm. that Jerry Ace, he likes to be called Ace, he texted me this morning, and he's like, I really want to bring something to the show today. I, there was this incident in Canada where a hunter took a bear with a spear, and it's kind of become the new Cecil the lion thing, and um, everybody's all up in arms, and, and there's a lot of hubbub about it. And it just so happened that I had that spot um, open because the person that we were going to have in there needed to to reschedule. So it's just really cool the way that it all works out. And I'm excited to have him tell us a little bit more about that.
3: We also have Nikki Stollard, a trans woman spokeswoman for Pink Pistols and LGBT group, uh, gun group.
2: Yes, and you definitely want to stick around for Nikki because she is in California fighting and, and trying to speak back to what she's calling California's gun-mageddon with all of their highly restrictive new gun laws. And so she's going to talk to us about how it's going, what, what the Pink Pistols is doing, and what she herself is doing to kind of push back on that stuff.
3: I mean, we also have Rachel Malone, She's a co-host of the Polite Society podcast.
2: Yes, we love the Polite Society podcast. We just recently helped guest host one of their um, episodes. And we've had Rob Morse on a number of times. He even does some of the commercials during the commercial break. And I was just talking with the rest of the co-hosts. And I'm like, okay, we need to have each of you on. You each have specialties that you bring to the Polite Society podcast, and I want to know more about you as a person. They put a
3: lot of work in that, and they really do a great job.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited.
3: Cheryl. Yeah. I just read an article from AR15.com. Tell me. I'm not sure that... I don't know. (laughs) There's a few days ago, Bill Weald, he's a former Republican governor of Massachusetts, and now is Gary Johnson's running mate, on the Libertarian ticket? Yeah. Here's what, what he said what, about guns. What about him, Dan? Here's what he said about guns. Mm-hmm. I'm quoting, okay? This is not me.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's make <clears throat> very clear that, that Dan, the gunsmith of azfirearms.com, would not say these words unless he was quoting someone else.
3: The five-shot mm-hmm. rifle. That's a standard military rifle. The problem is you can attach a clip... To it, so it can fire more shells, and if you remove the pin, so it becomes an automatic weapon. Those are independent criminal offenses. That's when they become weapons of mass destruction. Okay, there's more. I, I get my. May you stomach. have
2: to finish it. The Something's problem with handguns probably is even worse than the problem with. AR fifteen. I
3: think I just threw up a little bit in my <laughs> mouth. Come on.
2: It's so frustrating for us because you know, we read that. Now the average Joe walking down the street probably goes, All right, well, it sounded like gun-ish sounding words, and um there was punctuation in there, so I'll just nod my head and, and, and in agreement because this guy has held offices. He's running for the vice presidency of the United States. Clearly he must know more than I do, and just because I don't understand that word salad that he just tossed around out there, doesn't you know, it must be that I don't understand, because he must understand. That's I think what the average Joe does. But when Dan and I hear this and we do understand guns, it's like if anybody's out, out there has ever seen on uh, Online, there is this group called Bad Lip Reading, and what they do is they they insert words to to look like it fits the the moving mouths of people in in movies, and uh, they just recently released one for the Democratic Convention, um, and so that was really pretty funny as well. I know they've done one for the Republican Convention too. They don't take sides; they just they're just funny. This sounds like an episode of bad lip reading
3: it sure does and you know somebody's going to walk in my store next week and ask me what pen to remove (laughs) now i've been doing guns all my life i don't know of any gun that i can remove a pen and it becomes a full automatic gun like
2: i mean we don't want to encourage anybody to do the wrong thing so don't don't tell us anything that that we really shouldn't know but is there What could he possibly be talking about is there anything, just answer that, is there anything that he could possibly be reasonably referring to?
3: As I said, I don't know of any gun out there that you can remove a pin and it becomes a fully automatic gun, just, just by removing a pin. I don't know of any. And <clears throat> See, it me. makes
2: you think about that bullet button. Yeah. button. What is it called, the
3: bullet button? I guess you push the button and more bullets come out. <laughs> is that, that's what a bullet <laughs> button should be, shouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, You push a button and more bullets come out. <laughs> and think about it. Bullet, button, right?
0: Oh, my okay, goodness.
3: And the five-shot rifle, it's a standard military rifle. Well, the only five-shot military rifle, well, I don't know of any standard five-shot military rifle that's semi-automatic or full-auto. They did have the M1 Grand that was an eight-round that actually took a clip, not a magazine, but you couldn't put a magazine in it. It didn't have a place for it. You couldn't. It would take a major modification to do that. Could be done, but anything can be done, but so I don't know what he's talking about, a five shot standard military rifle that's semi-automatic that could attach a clip to it so it can fire more shells, and you can remove the pin and it becomes an automatic weapon.
2: Well, you know, we honestly we are not a teeth gnashing show and we're definitely not a let's just make fun of people show. But I, what I want to say is don't make it so easy for us, okay? <laughs> because we have to report this kind of stuff. We really do. And I, I did want to make one correction that this was in Amoland uh, August 15th. It's an Ammo Land article. Um, the advertisement is theyare15.com. That's how Dana got confused on that. Um, but the thing is, this person is seeking to be the vice president of the United States in that capacity, he would have some influence over laws that are made, who's chosen for the Supreme Court, these sorts of things. He has so little understanding of, of the firearm that he's talking about and firearms in general. So if you are a single-issue voter and your issue is the Constitution as it relates to the Second Amendment, he and his, his running mate, Gary Johnson may not be the person that you would want to choose. Maybe that, maybe so. Maybe that you would still choose them. But we just want you to be aware of what we're aware of.
3: All I know is that if somebody asked me to go on the radio and tell them how to rebuild a carburetor on a 57 Chevy, before I spoke about that because I know nothing about them, I would research it. And I would research it good. I wouldn't just let Bubba tell me how to do it. <laughs> I would make sure that what I say is, is actual facts right. and the congressman should be doing that if they're going to talk about firearms they need to know what they're talking about so it makes them look i mean it's a lot easier to win a case if you're knowledgeable if you know what you're talking about it's true. right
2: it's true absolutely okay well stick around because we do have a huge show with the theme history hunting and how we got so far off track our first guest right up after the commercial is olivia opry
4: got to think of creative ways to get your income up here's an idea sell some stuff at auction start with locally owned and operated pot of gold the owners dan and cheryl todd have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques collectibles guns coins and jewelry and over their many years in business they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt
2: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, today our theme is history, hunting, and how we got so far off track. And our first guest is international huntress Olivia Opry. As a television host and hunting consultant, Olivia has hunted six continents and taken over 90 species of big game animals. She has hosted TV episodes for Ruger Adventures, Federal's Dangerous Games, and World of Beretta. Currently, she co-hosts Eye of the Hunter with her husband, Tom. Oh, they're a husband and wife co-host team too. That's cool. In 2003, Olivia was Mrs. Nebraska and took her pro hunting message to the national stage in the Mrs. America contest. In 2014, Safari Club International named her their Diana Award winner, the most prestigious accomplishment bestowed upon a woman hunter. Miss Olivia, are you with us?
5: I'm here. We're glad to be with you.
2: Oh my goodness. I am super excited and I'm I'm tired just reading about your life. Holy <laughs> cow. Well, everything
5: that I do is it's about getting the voice of the hunter heard and preserving our nation's great hunting heritage. So, I'll do everything I can to get there.
2: I love that. Now, um when you and I were talking off air, we were, you know, talking about, you know, hunting as conservation. And to the average person, That sounds counterintuitive. So can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, how is hunting actually helping to conserve animals and and their livelihood in the wild? Well, you see,
5: let's let's take Africa, for example, and we'll go extreme and take lions, for example. Um, And this is a perfect, you know, correlation with how hunters are conservationists. In 1977, Kenya closed hunting. Now, all of a sudden, there is no intrinsic value on on animals. Where hunters previously were willing to go over and pay a lot of money to go hunt lion and elephant and other plains game species, now they close hunting. And so there's no more value for the people to protect them. There's nobody coming in to to provide them with meat, nobody to come in to help drill water wells, build schools, bring in medical care, and also implement anti-poaching efforts. And uh, wildlife biologists take animal censuses to ensure that the outfitters aren't aren't over-harvesting and, and allocating um, the species accordingly. So now, all of a sudden, Kenya closes hunting. There's no value on the animal. And what happens? Poaching runs rampant. There's no outfitters to protect the game. And the numbers of, of wildlife there have just, have decreased by about 70%. Wow. No hunting means no animals. Now, look at neighboring Tanzania, where wildlife flourishes. You've got the great migrations in the Serengeti. You've got the Ngorongoro crater. And it's all because you've got a lot of hunters coming in, spending a tremendous amount of money to ultimately, you know, protect them. One of the topics that that seems to be one I, I deal with quite regularly is, you know, meat hunters, um, everybody's okay with. But when you talk about trophy hunting, um, for lack of any other better word, which personally I prefer to call conservation hunting, um, those those trophy hunters are paying a lot of money to protect those animals and. Even though they may not be able to legally import the meat from a country like Africa or Mongolia or wherever they are in the world, that meat is not wasted. It goes to the people. So there is this big cycle and circle of life that that hunters, be they meat hunters or trophy hunters, play such an important role in in preserving our world's great wildlife.
2: Wow. And, you know, I, (laughs) I think that there's so many people out there that say, okay, so what is the difference between a poacher and a hunter? They're both murdering Bambi. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I, I,
5: I hear you. I see. I hear that question often, and it's it's a really great way to put it. Is banking? You can either go into your bank and make a withdrawal and do that all legally, or you can go in and hold a guy at gunpoint and rob the bank. Mm. Both people are making withdrawals, but one's doing it legally and one is breaking the law. And that's why uh, with a hunter's funds, you can do these sentences to make sure that whatever numbers of game that are allocated, be it in a certain state or province or unit or concession, that has all been determined in advance by a wildlife biologist. So all hunting is done legally, where poaching is is completely illegal. Personally, it's, uh, I, I am the furthest thing from a poacher. I'm the opposite of a poacher. I've actually held a gun on poachers. Um, wow. it's, it's a scary situation, and they're ultimately out to destroy wildlife and to to satisfy mostly the Asian market who wants the ivory and the rhino horn and, you know, gallbladders and tiger whiskers and gorilla paws. So, so is that that clear?
2: Yeah. And once again, I feel like, you know, so here we have this sort of emotion-driven, well-meaning, I believe they're well-meaning people who just want to protect the animals. And their, their efforts to protect the animals are actually causing the animals to be in horrible danger. And to be, um, I'm, the word is escaping me, but to be used in such the wrong ways. They're not being honored. They're, their life is not being honored. The meat is not being used. They take the pieces that they want and then they leave the carcass there, I guess, to rot. Is that right?
5: Yeah, it's true. It's sad. It's true. Yes.
2: And so when you talked about Kenya, where they stopped hunting, right? Yep. What, why did that happen? Was there an event that caused that to happen?
5: I, I think that what happened is there was, and I, I'm not positive for sure, but I, ha- I think it has something to do with the leaders of that country were persuaded by uh, various organizations or individuals who um, felt like we can bring in enough foreign tourism money to, to protect these animals. But the truth of it is, is it was the outfitters that was protecting those animals. The hunting outfitters were out there with their anti-poaching team mm-hmm. because those outfitters can't operate without wildlife in their areas. Mm-hmm. And so that's why outfitters do. They do a lot of anti-poaching efforts. But you see, the thing is, is where the anti-hunters. They, they have this idea that wildlife, you know, mommies never abandon their babies in star- starving years, and, and there's never fights to the death. And when an animal dies, they find a peaceful flower studded <laughs> field and just fall asleep. <laughs> And <laughs> well,
2: it doesn't quite work like that. is that? are you are you shattering my illusions of how
5: <laughs> It doesn't quite work like that, you know, and that's and so here you've got a let's let's take Cecil the lion, for instance. yeah, thirteen year old lion. It's like a hundred and five year old man, okay? Now this cat was in very good shape because the photographic companies were feeding them to so he would just lie around and let them take pictures. Well, that's great. But he had been kicked out of his pride. You know what happens to a kicked out lion? They get destroyed by mm-hmm. hyenas, by jackals, by fellow lions. They kill them, they rip them to shreds. And now you got a dead lion and no money back into protecting those animals. So mm. you take a really old animal on his last legs anyway. That's either going to die of starvation or die by the death of another animal. And instead, let's let's put you know let's hunt them. Let's put a value on them and. and not waste them, because there's a lot of people that do appreciate the experience and the journey and the adventure of of the pursuit of the wildlife.
2: Absolutely. So uh, the word I was looking for was exploit. And so where the anti-hunters really believe that hunters are somehow exploiting uh, wildlife, really, in a way, I think maybe they are. And, and they don't mean to, but they're kind of holding up the this, uh, imaginary version that you were talking about of how things really work out there. And they're, they're exploiting this, this imaginary version of how life goes. And in the meantime, they're causing more harm to the very creatures that in, in their heart of hearts, they really want to protect. And I, I just think that that is so unfortunate. Um, and we've got to run to break, but I, I'd like to hold you over if you could stick around.
5: Sure, absolutely.
2: Awesome. And I'd kind of like to talk about, you know, is there any way that that you could think of that we can we can have a a conversation with the anti hunters to help them understand these things or if we're just always gonna hit that divide. So Okay, we'll
5: talk about that. Sounds very, great.
2: Very good. All right. Well stick around because we're gonna run to break and when we come back. We have more with our theme today, which is history, hunting, and how we got so far off track with our guest, Olivia Opry. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we are on the phone with international huntress Olivia Opry. And, um, I, I kind of left a question hanging in the air, and I want to get to that question about how do we how do we bring people together from the, the anti-hunters and the hunters? But I wanted to just touch for a second that you and your husband, Tom, Olivia, do a co hosting gig and my husband and I co host this show and Dan hasn't said a word yet, so we'll let him say hi. I I only talk when she let, I only talk when she lets me, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? And that isn't often, so
5: That's right.
2: So tell us about your co hosting gig.
5: So it's a lot of fun. You know, I, I i love to laugh and joke because Tom has me on a pedestal, but um, I like uh-huh. to say that I'm just as trophy chick that he needs to have some diversity <laughs> in the show so
2: <laughs> that's awesome so <laughs> but, you
5: know it's a lot of fun to, to travel the world with someone that you love and experience the journey the journey and that's what it's all about the kill of an animal is five percent of the actual experience you know there's the people that you meet and the travel that you do and the mountains that you climb and the tears that you shed and and uh, to share that with someone that you love really really brings you together on a whole nother level
2: that's awesome. So, you know, that, that really does kind of bring us back around to the question. How can we help the anti-hunters to hear you and other hunters when you say what you just said? It's so much more than the actual taking of the, the, the animal, the, whether it's for the meat, whether it's for a trophy, whatever it is, as long as it's legal hunting you know, there's so much more that goes into it that you you would think that you could find a point of connection on. What Do you think there's any hope for that? You know,
5: honestly, and I told this to Virginia McKenna when we were doing the interview in London. Um, she's the founder of the Born Free Foundation and the queen of the anti-hunters. And I, I said, look, we're never going to see eye to eye.
1: Mm-hmm. But what we
5: see eye to eye on is poaching. We both agree that poaching needs to be Focused on incredibly, and I think that where you start with that is educating uh, the people in Asia that rhino horn isn't going to cure cancer. And um, but ultimately, you know, to to, to join forces with the anti, it, it's such an emotional topic. And when I did a interview for the Telegraph in London, one of the most interesting statements was made by the lady interviewing me. She said to me, "Okay, so these outfitters protect the animals, and preserve the animals, and and do all these things that are great." But what happens when they go away? And I said, when what goes away? And she says, the animals. And I said, it's a renewable resource. Cubs turn into lions. Babies turn into (laughs) rams and bucks. And that's where these people just think that all that's here is all that's left. Mm. And it's so wrong. The the hunter is the one that's protecting them because they want the children to enjoy that when they get a chance to, to hunt. I want my kids to be able to hunt white tail, and so I hunt them and protect them. And hunting also helps with uh, taking care of concern with disease. If there's overpopulation, there's disease that takes place. Um, you had showed me an article today earlier about the situation in, in Arizona with the, with the bison, and where I wasn't able to read the entire article. It's, it's something where you know we, we have to control it, or else if it gets out of control, the, that particular species can do a lot of damage. In whether it's eating the the remaining food that the other deer and and sheep live on in the area or bringing in disease, and that's why we've got to manage.
3: Olivia, they just, in that article today, um, we just briefly read it too, but they said that, you know, they planted those uh, buffalo there and that there's 600 now and they're growing at uh, 30% a year. So just do the math 10 years from Uh now what that is going to be. And one of the th- cool things, the, the buffalo know that if they stay on one side, they can't be hunted because it's a national <laughs> park. And so they're pretty smart. But They're uh, clever. Yeah. But even, I think Yellowstone used to have a program where they would corral a bunch of buffalo and then hunters would pay to, uh, to shoot one. And that was in a national park. But that the money went to continue the growth of the buffalo.
5: Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's, that's where it should go. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't know how corralled it was or what the scenario was for Yellowstone. So I can't speak on that behalf, but um, I can say, let's, let's take a, the situation with wolves. Those were brought in. Mm, What's right. happened with those? They duplicate, triplicate, you know, Eesh. an unbelievable amount of numbers. They have proliferated incredibly, destroying the other wildlife and all these ranchers are about to go crazy with all their cattle and sheep being annihilated by these wolves. So the states each have the, the ability to control that. And Wyoming said, hey, you guys shoot at any time with any weapon until we say stop. And I think that they wanted to try and get rid of 80 wolves in their state. And right. They never met that number because yeah. they're so smart. But the ultimate goal is you have to control an animal or else they will get out of control. And why not auction off tags? You know how precious that would be. Get Boone and Crockett involved. Where now, all of a sudden, there's incentive for people to to go and experience this hunt in Grand Canyon. Wow, that would be incredible. I would love to do that. Well, Just I think to they were concerned raise think, that money.
3: I think they were concerned about the corralling deal uh, because it was a national park, and they didn't want hunters roaming the the park with tourists walking i don't know the whole situation so they just moved them to a different area maybe right it was a big it wasn't like it's a little fence i mean it's a big area Mm -hmm. but uh i don't you know like that either but they had to get rid of them and they figured it was better than bussing them out and then you look at the deer in north dakota i remember one year they you could only get one tag a year and then one year they just opened it up because there were so many deer they they were dying from starvation dying
5: from starvation killing people because they hit them on the road. Right. I mean, that's when you get to an overpopulation of an animal it affects the animal itself with disease or starvation or the people that live in the area with them because the truth of the matter is is you know, we humans are growing in numbers as well and we're we're encroaching on on, on habitat and so what do we have to do? We have to hunt. We have to preserve them, we have to protect them, but we also have to look out for the best interest of the species and the people in the area as well. So the situation in Arizona with Grand Canyon what do you do so you so maybe you pick a, a time of year maybe it's just a two week time frame where they you know offer hunting and the hunters must wear solid hunter orange I don't, I don't you know I don't know the exact solution but I know that there is one and, and it's got to be managed now before it gets out of control
2: Well and hunting is an area you know we have our own gun store right we we have 1200 mm-hmm. firearms And because we are entrepreneurs and business people, we rarely have a chance to do anything other than, you know, do our business. So, we are rarely out doing anything with uh, firearms and especially hunting. I have never been hunting. And my name is Cheryl Todd and I've never been hunting. So...
5: (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to go hunting. I'm going to take you hunting.
2: Seriously. I want to go and learn this. I'm going fishing on the... I'm I'm going hunting on
3: the first uh, dove hunt... uh, season opens and we're going with the director from the gaming fish department because uh, it was a raffle thing that we won and I, I can't get her to go because i have to get up at four o'clock in the morning to go i think that's the issue
2: <laughs> well and that yeah. takes me to my kind of the question i was after is i can't just grab you know one of my shotguns or or whatever and just say all right, I got a few free hours this weekend. I'm going to go and do this thing called hunting. There is so much that you have to know. And so we need people like you. You teach others how to do this safely, responsibly. So tell us a little bit about that and how if somebody wanted to get into this thing called hunting. How could they reach out to you and, and contact you about it?
5: well my company is world of hunting adventure and I help hunters travel all over the world within the United States with you know with whatever they're interested in hunting be it be it birds or or big game animals um, but it, to kind of go back to where you're what you're talking about you need to you have to have a start and I, I recommend that every person that's interested in hunting take a hunter's education course contact your local wildlife department, and they can put you in touch with an instructor. And then from there, you let it grow, and you reach out to various hunting organizations, Limited, Unlimited, Elks, Rucknaut Elk Foundation, Safari Club International is a great one, um, and they can help you start to get that started. And then I can come in and say, okay, I'm going to help you go experience Argentina wing shooting with a group of gals, or uh, maybe you and your husband want to go experience Africa and, don't necessarily need to shoot. You can just go and see the wildlife and then maybe you will be inspired to hunt. Um so that's where I play that role is to help match you and your goals and quests and your partner with, with you know what you want to do together. Um and something that's been fun for my husband and I both is we, we own a competition called Extreme Huntress. And with that, this year was a lot of fun. We we had four girls from Canada. We had a gal from uh Idaho and a gal from Montana and we, we hunt with them. Uh, myself, Brittany Boddington, and Larry Weissoon are the judges of the competition, and we go out and we hunt with them, and we watch their pursuit. And we analyze, you know, how well they do and, and you know, judge them accordingly. But what was fabulous is this year, we had Canik Handgun Challenge. We had uh, a Springfield Armory's Concealed Carry Class. We had long-distance shooting with Weatherby, with Mark Thompson. Um, the girls hunted with Bergaras. And then we did the Century AK Challenge and a biathlon with an AK forty seven. It was fabulous. These girls wow. were dealing with handguns and AKs and rifles, and they were experiencing things that they will never legally get to do again in their lives. Wow. I mean, how many? There's, it's just illegal for these gals to have access to, to AKs in Canada, wow. and um, just to be able to share in those moments and and watching them explore a new firearm or or new area or new territory it's just beautiful because ultimately we all just love to be in the outdoors and. And that's where the camaraderie is.
2: That's awesome. So you your parents, right? You, mm-hmm. have, you have kiddos. Uh, are they yes. of the age yet that, that you're starting to take them out?
5: They're just getting there. We Last year, both of our girls under the mentor program here in Montana were able to hunt turkey. And they just loved it. But I think what was even more fun was watching my husband. He was... <laughs> I, 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 I mean, he was reliving all this. It was like he had clock fever. And I'm like, you've it in Switzerland and Africa. And what are you, why are you acting all shaky? But he was genuinely excited because you vicariously live through the child as they explore the great outdoors that you're so passionate about. And when they love it as much as you do, you just, it just makes you so happy. But you, finding ways to bond with your children is difficult, especially in today's age mm. with with every kind of game boy or whatever. Right. I don't even know what those are all called. Cause we don't look at children <laughs> play with those, but uh, even computers and televisions, we, it's, you lose track of, of connecting with your child. And there's no better way to do it than out in the outdoors because you do, you suffer together, you cry together, you, you, you succeed together. And my father and I's relationship is, is super strong because of the stuff that we've been through together. Only he knows these stories of, of, excitement and, and trials and, and success. And, um, it's, it's, it's wonderful to have that with him because before we, we didn't have a connection like that. What are we going to connect on? I mean, it was
6: mm-hmm.
5: horseback riding. He didn't do that or, or you know, pageantry. A child gets, yeah. Pageantry, <laughs> yep, yep. He didn't know anything about that. So for me, it's been, it's been great to, to share that with my children And also with my father.
2: I Um, I love that so much. We are all about legacy. You know, we're grandparents now and we're always thinking about, you know, at some point we're going to hand the keys to the, the, this huge car called a nation and a world over to that next generation and the one after. And Mm -hmm. what are we doing to prepare them and, and to preserve the, the vehicle that we're handing over, um, so I, I love that, and I, we're, we're about out of time, but I just wanted you to kind of just off the top of your head, like other than the bonding, like what does hunting teach a child when, when they're taught it safely and responsibly? I mean, there's so many things, right? Focus. There's a
5: lot of things, yes. Focus, determination, resilience, uh, overcoming defeat. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, a, that's a big one because in life that's, there's a lot of defeat, and what do you do? do you just give up? No, you figure out another way to go about it. Maybe that deer outsmarted you today. Maybe it outsmarted you every single day this month, but you're going to figure this out and you're going to perfect it. And that's how you're going to be a success in this world is, is going through those trials and tribulations and discovering who you are and how you bounce back from, from, from those challenging moments in life.
2: Wow. And wouldn't we all want to raise daughters like that? right?
5: <laughs> exactly. Yes. I, I hope that I'm raising daughters like that. I've got one boy and three girls. So hopefully those girls will will carry on the legacy. And if they don't, they'll understand it at least.
2: Yeah. So. And, and I, you know what, where my brain went, we have a granddaughter. So that's why I said a daughter like that. But of course, sons and daughters like that. Shame on me. So, <laughs>
5: <laughs> Hey, look, I'm just as guilty. I'm just as guilty. When I found out I was having a little baby girl the last go around, I was like, what am I going to do with a girl? Yeah, right. And then <laughs> <laughs> one of my girlfriends, who's a big game hunter, she said to me, "She says, I don't know, hunt, fish, cook, go get manicures, go shopping. You can do everything with a girl." Wow! So, <laughs> I love
2: that. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's a
5: great way to look at it. It
2: is. Well, Miss Olivia, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with us and bringing all of this wisdom to our listeners. And you and I are going to see each other in a couple of weeks at the NRA Women's. Uh, leadership Forum Summit, aren't we?
5: Yes, I'm looking forward to that. It'll be my first time doing it. Is your is it your first?
2: Yes. So it's it's perfect timing, and, and we'll have to have a chance to, to hang out a little bit. So
5: That sounds great. Look forward to seeing you and meeting you in person.
2: Agreed. All righty. Well, thank you so much. We will talk to you soon. Sounds good. You take care. Thanks, you too. Olivia Opry. Well, stick around, because right after this, we have... Project Appleseed, what is that about? Well, John Needham is gonna come on and talk to us a little bit about that, tying history with the present.
4: I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org.
7: Be a part of the Gold Rush and head on down to see my friends at Pot Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at pottygoldestate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. See so you best, hurry, and tell them Don Cogger sent you.
3: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, educate, and inform. Sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. You know, uh, our next guest is John Needham. He's a Second Amendment activist who is a volunteer with Project Appleseed, which teaches history and rifle marksmanship. Are you with
2: us, John? I am. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm sorry to step on you there, Dan. Um, we are excited to have you on. And and one thing that I love is that, you know, you are a citizen, right? You're a citizen, you're a real estate agent, and, and you volunteered your time to this program that I think is wonderful. And that is why we're having you on the air. We don't, you don't have to be a nationally known celebrity in order to come on and have something important to share with our listeners. And I I really appreciate you reaching out and, and kind of saying, Hey, I would love to talk about this on the air.
0: You're welcome. You're, you're, you're absolutely welcome. You know, I started this journey about a year ago. Um, I started seeing a bunch of my friends who are three gun nation, participating three gun nation. And then I, and then I saw an ad for the, for the NRA show. And uh, in Nashville. And I just, I, I, you know, I was living in Birmingham and it was about, you know, three hours away. And I said, why not go? And I did. And I met a lot of interesting and, and fun people. And I just said, you know, I, I fell in love with it. Um,
2: so let's tell yeah. folks what it is. What is Project Appleseed exactly?
0: Sure, sure. Project Appleseed, the 501c3 uh, organization by the. Uh, American Revolutionary War Veterans Association, sponsored by them, as a means to remind Americans that they still have a civic responsibility and that if they want to make a change, they can do it at a ballot box instead of through armed revolt. Uh, and they do that through a two day clinic that teaches basic uh, mar- rifle marksmanship, and they have a series of breaks in which to teach about the event on the on the day of April 19th, 1775, which uh, is the first day of the, the American Revolution.
2: Well, isn't it interesting that you talk about, you know, the fact that we have uh, this rich history that has brought us to a place where we can make changes at the ballot box. That was not afforded to our forefathers back in, April nineteenth, seventeen seventy-five. They their only option was an armed revolt, that, and that that is correct. And so that is correct. So now we're saying, you know, let's not reinvent the wheel here. Let's use what is in place. Don't sit home on on election day, right? D- right. Do your research, vote intelligently, and and make an informed vote. Right? Is that what we're talking about?
0: That's exactly what we're talking about.
2: And so what do you do as a volunteer with Project Appleseed?
0: That's a great question, Cheryl. I am what they call, um, I'm part of what they call the Apple Corps. Uh, uh, (laughs) I love that. We help help with the marketing and with anything else that they need us to help with. Uh, These are, volunteers are, are, are members that haven't made rifleman status yet, but who want to contribute, who want to help through other means and efforts, meaning meaning going to local gun shows, going to local um, uh, uh, Second Amendment-related functions, and telling people about what Project Appleseed is about, getting the name out there, or just simply sitting at a registration table uh, at an event, at a Project Appleseed event, and signing people up, giving them paperwork, having them sign waivers, that kind of thing. And so what I'm doing, my part, is through Facebook, uh, you know, John Neam American Shooter, I'm getting the word out there about my interest in marksmanship and the greater mission, which is to uh, further Project Appleseed's mission and training more people on basic rifle marksmanship.
2: So when somebody goes to, to to sign up for this project Appleseed, mm-hmm. it's a did you say it was a two day clinic and what, what happens during that, that course of time?
0: That's a good that's good, another great question. Um, it's a two day clinic and when they show up they are uh, they're introduced to the instructors and the instructors will go over the the rules for the event. And so, and then it's staged out. Uh, you'll learn about various different things from uh, basic safety rules. Uh, safety always is number one at the Project Appleseed event, and it is harped on and harped on and harped on for, for a very good reason. The four safety rules: always keep the muzzle in the safe direction. Never, uh, don't not load. You know, don't load until getting the load command keep your finger off the trigger until your sights are on the target. Make sure those around you follow the safety rules. Safety is preached over and over and over again. And then what they go that what they'll do is that they'll have various little small clinics during each over, over the two day course. They'll teach sight alignment. What what does that mean? Sight picture. They will teach uh what, what what respiratory pause means. They will then go over other things like the various shooting positions, like Prone shooting from prone, shooting uh, standing and kneeling, and then they'll go over the steady hold factors for each. And then of course, all that's broken down into small exercises where you, where they will help you zero your rifle. And then they will talk about some history. Uh, They might talk about the first day's action and several different like five or ten minute exercises. Where everyone gathers around a, around an instructor, and then they will talk about, well, this is what's going on in Boston up at this time. This is what's going on in America at this time. And then they'll they'll go into uh, Paul Revere's ride, and they'll talk about not just the major like the major figures of the campaign like General Gage, but they'll talk about the minor figures. You know, people who will, are, are less known. Uh, to, to Americans. And that was something that was really, really interesting to me, is understanding these, these minor these minor figures uh, and, and, and just understand that there's so much more of a rich history than what you might gleam out of the classroom in, in today's classroom. Uh, does that make
2: sense? It so makes sense. And I think that it's so needed and it's so lacking. And when we really don't know you know, the, the finer fabrics of, of what make up this crazy quilt we call the United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. It, it's just so easy for people to make up their own version and start teaching, you know, just something slightly off the mark from what really happened. And, uh, and it just goes from there. And we end up so confused. And I think we are so confused nowadays um, from from what the Founding Fathers had intended for us, what they were trying to offer cautionary tales against, I think we have, have stumbled into. And, you know, somebody somewhere has got to be able to, to bring us back to the original mark. Don't you and think? And I
0: think that... I do, and I think that's, I think that's every American's duty to bring us back to that mark. And I think that what, you know, even though Appleseed, see, it's Appleseed's goal to get me to be an instructor eventually, you know, to to, to make that Rossman's mark to instruct. But the end goal is to, what they want you to do is to find the time to make a civic difference to the people around you.
5: Absolutely. And
0: I have since made contacts. So I've talked to my local house, my house rep. You know, I've made phone calls. talked to the sheriff. I mean, how many of you have actually made a phone call and said, and introduce yourself to your local sheriff? How many of you have actually picked up the phone and called your house representative and said, you know, here, my, I'm here. I'd like to help. Or here, I've got a problem. How can we address it? Has it been addressed? Um,
2: I think because min- we don't know our history, we we've switched up the roles of of who works for who, you know, and yeah. we we've put these kinds of our politicians and any elected official, we've put them on these pedestals like they are celebrities, and there are some that love that role. De- definitely, they love it. But then I have personally talked to many who are so hungry and so longing for the connection with the people they serve. And, and, you know, they're just sitting there waiting for you to reach out and, and connect with them. And so few of us do, like you mentioned.
0: That's right. And so I feel, you know, to that, to to your point, now I feel, I feel better connected. Now, can I do more? Sure. I think any of us can do more. Um, and that's, you know, where, you know, the NRA has the legislative action committees uh, that you can actually go on the NRA website and actually put your name down and say, hey, if you have a function, I'm available. Uh, there's there, the NRA does have a, a website link. They, they, they do have a, a, a legislative committee to where um, I was reading an, an, an American rifleman a few months ago where um they had an article written up that you know they, they they encourage you, but it all but it all starts with a grassroots effort that that planting that apple seed, you know, you know here, and it begins with me telling you, you telling someone else, getting the word out, and you Absolutely. know, I I I for, I I for one feel like uh, <laughs> it's needed. We all. We all have a responsibility I mean if it's if, if not us who does absolutely. that make
2: sense it absolutely does and John thank you so much for reaching out to me and letting You're and welcome. bringing me aware of project Appleseed and then coming on the air today to, to talk to our listeners and they can find out more information by going to appleseedinfo.org right that's right. And then also I create a a guest page for each of our guests. So you can find out more about John and Appleseed, uh, Project Appleseed, by going to gunfreedomradio.com and clicking on the guest tab. John, thank you so much for for spending some time with us today.
0: You're welcome. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you.
2: Absolutely. Bye now. All right. Well, stick around because we have our number two coming up. And we are going to start it out with Ace Luciano. Helping us understand a little bit more about our theme today, history, hunting, and how we got so far off track. Stick around.
7: Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Pot of Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Pot of gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at
4: Polygolestate.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com.
1: i